Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Hi there, I'm Jason Schulman, and this is New Books in Australian and New Zealand Studies. My guest today is Mary Tomsick. She's an ARC postdoctoral research associate at the University of Melbourne. She's here to talk about her new book, Beyond the Silver Screen, a history of women, filmmaking, and film culture in Australia, 1920 to 1990, published by Melbourne University Publishing in October 2017. Mary, welcome to the show. Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you on. So, Mary, this book is about filmmaking and film culture. Uh, What do those two terms mean and how did you get interested in the topic? Well, firstly, I love films. So that was um, my starting point. But um, I was interested, I mean, often in film history, we focus on feature film and filmmaking. But I was interested in thinking about film more broadly And film culture, I guess, is a key part of that. So how do we develop a culture around people wanting to go and see films um, and what sort of films get shown? So I was interested in the creating of the films, but also the culture that emerges around film. Mm -hmm. And why is, you know, kind of visual representation on film so important to study? I think film is a really significant form for storytelling in our culture today and, um, you know, in the 20th century, 20th, 21st century. So I think it's a really significant form in which we speak and tell stories and that's, I guess, my particular focus here. I think historians, there are cinema historians that look at film but historians more broadly don't always use film. So I was interested in thinking about that medium as a really valuable way in which historians can look at ideas that are important, stories that are important, and who has access to telling stories in that public space, space of film. So you you set out to, to write this book, and what has been written in the past about the history of Australian women in film? There has been bits and pieces, um, you know, and at various times, particularly the 1970s, there was a great interest in um, feminist filmmakers understanding and learning the history of women's involvement in filmmaking. But there hasn't been something that's taken a long view and, as you asked initially, sort of thought about filmmaking alongside film culture. So I kind of wanted to draw that together. The kind of standard um, narrative that's told about Australian filmmaking is there was a lot of excitement and activity in the early period up to the 1920s um, and then kind of nothing happens and then there's a resurgence and a rebirth of Australian filmmaking in the 70s onwards. So we have this kind of boom and bust narrative. But I was interested in kind of complicating that a little bit further and looking at the different types of filmmaking that and film culture that go on in that in that period in between when there really wasn't that many feature films being made but there was a lot of work in film and activity around film viewing at that time Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about those early women filmmakers so women like lottie lyle louise lovely the mcdonough sisters What, what 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 should we know about them uh, I think they're just um, a fascinating bunch of women. Um, they're really 
with really interesting stories to tell. The McDonough sisters in particular, three sisters out of a larger family who just adored movies. They grew up in a kind of um, uh, uh, a bohemian family but um, wanted to tell stories with film, wanted to be taken seriously, um, saw this as an important thing to do, uh, I guess to present the Australian nation in a particular way. Um, so I think they have really, you know, interesting, interesting stories, the way they work together, um, the way they weren't taken very seriously by um, some of the, you know, more uh, stalwarts of the Australian film industry. For example, someone like Ken Hall, who was a pioneering director and producer in an interview in 1976, talked about the McDonough sisters as they were just three girls having fun. It was just a hobby. But to them, they were very serious about their film work and, um telling stories on film and have learning skills and training and being able to speak with film. The, the, uh, you know, I think maybe that that genre is maybe known, but then we get into the next few chapters in the book and, and you really uh, kind of debunk the, the myth that really there was this, um, you know, bust cycle. Uh, we, we learn about the film reformers, the, the Royal Commission on the Moving Picture Industry. How were women involved in that movement and, and why? That, that's a really interesting example. So in 1926, 27, the Australian government has an inquiry into the Australian film industry and they're really interested in it from an industry perspective but also from defining Australian culture, particularly against American culture because that's where the bulk of um, films coming into Australia are at this time. And at that Royal Commission, 41 women came and gave evidence. Um, they were listed as what's called keen observers rather than filmmakers, although some filmmakers did speak, one of the McDonough sisters um, and also Louise Lovely did give evidence. And there were some film exhibitors, female film exhibitors too, but most were women who were kind of involved in social reform movements. And they were very interested in thinking through what, um, who should watch films, how they should watch films, were children safe in the cinema. Um, and they were also very interested in kind of a sense of civic maternalism. Um, these are, these are mostly educated women who, um, are defining a place for themselves in society. So a kind of civic maternalism where they feel they have a role and asserting their role of looking after the nation. And really these women were agitating to be um, uh, censors. And there were some really spirited debates about what would make a good woman censor. Is it someone who is a mother or do they have other skills? And there's, you know, really interesting conversations that are recorded in the transcript of evidence between some of these women and the royal commissioners who are kind of pressing these women, what would make a good, a good censor? You know, one thing you've touched on, but maybe we can talk about a little bit more explicitly, is, is that you know, film is not just entertainment. Really, there's there's politics kind of built into it. What is the relationship that you found, uh, you know, between film and politics, especially as it relates uh, to, to women? Yeah, I think I was interested in thinking about um, cultural expression as a form of politics. So, what sort of um, stories are told are, I think, in many ways, are inherently political in terms of who, um, what ideas are being shared and what stories are being told. So, you know, you do have um, quite explicitly political um, women involved. Like in the 50s, we have the Waterside Workers Federation Film Unit and one woman called Norma Disher was a member of that group. 
and they have a, politi- a particular left-wing political agenda that they are wanting to um, share with their filmmaking. But I guess more broadly I did want to point to the idea that the stories we tell are all political ones um, and the type of Australian story that some of these women want to have, have shown and want to create on, on screen do have politics embedded in them. How do they want to represent the nation um, and whose stories do they focus on? Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about Jenny Boddington and, and what was the, the Film Society movement? The Film Society movement? Um, in So that was, that was a um, movement that begins in the 40s and it really is the precursor to um, what what is now turned into quite popular and commercial film festivals. So there's a Melbourne Film Festival and a Sydney International Film Festival. Um, but the Film Society movement was essentially um, a kind of a local grassroots organisations that developed for people to screen films. Um, so people weren't happy or a number of people weren't happy with what was available at commercial cinemas. So they would band together um, tr- at times import films um, and they would create a program that you would go to in your local area um, and be a member of this society. You would pay a little bit of money to, to do that and you'd ha- often have discussions after films and things like that. So it's a kind of a whole culture that developed um, around that. And in particular, I looked at a couple of the secretaries of the Victorian Federation of Film Societies, and I was just astounded by the amount of work and correspondence um, that went into arranging all these film screenings, um, finding spaces, writing up the program, program notes, um, all this work and energy that went into developing um, a place to watch films and also films that they thought were good films. So kind of at this time often the, in, during that Cold Cold War period, Australia is represented as a really insular, boring and dull place, but a lot of these film societies were interested in getting cinema from all over the world, wherever they could get their hands on it, um, and screening it and discussing it and taking film seriously as um, a medium for expression. So not so much buying into a highbrow, lowbrow kind of um, classification of film, but taking it seriously as a storytelling form. In chapter six, uh, you bring us into the 1970s and, you know, uh, kind of the feminism and filmmaking or feminism and film culture. Uh, and we learn about the Sydney Women's Film Group. How does kind of telling the story of the 1930s, 40s and 50s, which, which you do, which you said hasn't been as well told, help us kind of rethink the 1970s story? Yeah, the 70s is um, a really interesting moment with, um, you know, the influence of second wave feminism and a lot of these women were involved in the women's liberation movement. I think we're getting uh, kind of different changes, change in access to technology um, and that that movement really enables a lot more women who in this case are explicitly political and their feminist politics um, are certainly out there in their in their filmmaking. Uh, that's a moment that they look back to the McDonough sisters and there's some really interesting interviews um, with some of the McDonough sisters who were still alive at that time um, and kind of you can see the feminist filmmakers, you know, wanting to claim them as part of a feminist heritage and um, the McDonald's say, you know, we weren't really into that. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see the ways in which um, 
people's filmmaking gets gets used and, and reused at various points. But um, this is an explicitly um, political moment with um, part of civil rights movements, um, focus on individuals and um, people responding, again, in, in, in a different way to not seeing their own stories on screen and then wanting to make make their own films. You know, the the news right now, I'm sure, um, you know, many people are talking about is uh, the kind of the place of women in, in Hollywood. Um, your, your story ends in 1990, but what would you say kind of has been uh, the, the recent experience of women in filmmaking and film culture in Australia? Yeah, I think it's, it's really been interesting for me to think about what's currently, the discussions that are currently going on, because... In some ways, I, I don't want to think about this as um, a grand narrative of progress because at various moments and times there are different opportunities um, that emerge. And, you know, we, there was a quite, quite a popular um, film that came out recently called The Dressmaker and it has um, a female lead um, and it's um, a, a, a woman's story. For, for want of a better word, and Sue Maslin, the producer, talked about how difficult it was to get financial support for, for a commercial feature film that has a female lead. Turns out it was a really popular film. It was directed by Jocelyn Morehouse. It was, you've got critical and um, popular audiences, you know, went to see it. But it's almost like on one level women's storytelling isn't always taken seriously or there's a sense of disbelief that people might want to go and see um, a story about women. Um, so I think there, there is this kind of tension that, that still emerges. Um, in, in Australia we have um, Australian Rules Football and uh, this year was the first year that they had a, a kind of a similar level um, AFL Women's League and the first match it, it, the ground was locked out because more people turned up than they expected, than the organisers expected. And I, I kind of think about this kind of simultaneously, that there's kind of a disbelief that people would want to come and watch women play football. There's a kind of a disbelief on one level that a, a film about women is a story that, you know, people would enjoy to go and see. So I think there still is is that element. Um, but at the same time, particularly from the um, late 70s onwards, tertiary education and women's access to that and film training schools being more available to women um, has certainly meant that we've got a greater diversity of um, stories being told and, you know, we have government interest in supporting programs for, you know, uh, examining the gendered nature of um, Australian film culture. So, um, there's been a recent report into gender on screen and funding programs to assist feature filmmaking in that way. So I think there's kind of this tension there that many women are working with film and telling really interesting and creative stories. But I, th I think, and I think we're seeing this in these current debates, um, and I kind of wonder if, if we read the women speaking out today in Hollywood is, is demands for women's voices to be taken seriously. Mary, last question before I let you go, as uh, someone who also uh, enjoys films. Uh, what's your favorite film that you came across uh, in, in your research for the um, book? Golly, there's lots. Um, but one I think I've been thinking about recently is a 1985 film called Fran. Um, and it's, a kind of a, a, it's a beautiful story about, or it's a beautifully told story about one woman's life. 
um, about her family, her desires, the violence she experiences. It's a really complex portrait of a, a woman living in suburban Perth in Western Australia. Um, and it's really, the, the acting's great. The story is um, really complex. And I think that's, I, I, I was really, I hadn't seen that film before. Um, and that's one that's really stuck with me and I want to write write more about great. Mary, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. That's Mary Tomsick. Her new book is Beyond the Silver Screen, A History of Women, Filmmaking, and Film Culture in Australia, 1920 to 1990. It's published by Melbourne University Publishing in October 2017. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.